Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, and this Denver Broncos backfield. Hope you are all enjoying the week. I'm recording this on Monday. Just had the Carson Wentz foot injury news break. You know, maybe if uh, your entire team's success hinged on whether Carson Wentz could go from being one of the worst quarterbacks in the league to an average quarterback, and Jacob Eason is the only backup plan, maybe, maybe that wasn't great, but I don't know. I'm just... I'm just a guy recording from uh, Myrtle Beach, a fantasy football podcast. So we'll focus on the task at hand, and that is discerning what's going on in this Denver Broncos backfield because you don't trade up to get the number 35 overall pick and use it on a player that you don't plan on featuring to some extent, and that is running back Javante Williams. If you guys saw him at North Carolina, you might've seen him just absolutely terrorize Miami and pretty much every other defense that he found his way against. So Javante was a consensus big three running back coming out of this class. In a lot of people's minds, he was the best, but regardless, it was him, Najee Harris, Sloan Kettering, Johnny Hopkins, and of course, Travis Etienne as the big guys that everybody was focusing on going into this last draft. So Devontae ended up being the third one of the group picked behind ETM, behind Najee. But even though, again, people, he was second round, but only by three picks, that 35th overall spot. Just how Michael Carter was technically fourth round, basically third when you just, you know, he's not basically 30 was a fourth rounder, but when you're that close to the beginning of the round, uh, I do think it involves a little bit more. Uh, summarizing then otherwise might, but first of all, want to break down Williams and then we'll get into some more uh, history of rookie running backs uh, as fancy assets. But basically Williams 76 broken tackles on 157 rush attempts as a junior, just absolutely maddening rushing efficiency in terms of breaking tackles. And don't let, you know, David Montgomery also having these wild numbers dissuade you from going with Williams. If we've learned one thing from Montgomery, it's that he's perfectly capable of producing at a high level at the NFL. He just needs the usage. We can't have his, you know, five foot four backup stealing 90 targets a year and still expect huge things out of Montgomery. So I think Williams fits that exact same bill. We're looking at a five foot 10, 220 pound back seemingly capable of handling an every down workload. He's not the best receiver we've ever seen. He's not going to be confused with, you know, McCaffrey or Austin Eckler anytime soon. We've also gotten some good, you know, just training camp reports that, hey, he's catching the ball just fine, looks good, soft hands. And it's not something where I think we're looking at a Derrick Henry situation where the team is so concerned about his ability to catch the ball that he, they're actively pulling him off uh, the field for, you know, less talented backs. Anyway, here was PFF's 2021 prospect profile on Williams, uh, courtesy of the always great Mike Renner. There was no bigger riser at the running back position in 2020 than Williams. After putting on 15 pounds in two years, Williams added an explosive element to his game we hadn't seen in the past. He broke the PFF record for broken tackles per attempt at 0.48, and his 75 broken tackles led the country. His 95.9 rushing grade was also far and away the highest we've seen in a single season. That looseness translated after the catch as a receiver as well, where he broke nine tackles on 24 receptions. There's really not much to dislike about Williams as a prospect. And the comp for Williams... Bigger Aaron Jones. Now, if that doesn't take a lonely analyst from six, lonely fantasy analyst from six to midnight, I don't know what will people, but here's the problem opportunity. Can Javante beat out Melvin Gordon to start the year? I don't know about to start the year. So far, the returns have been good, not great. We've had a couple updates from the Denver Post, Ryan O'Halloran, throughout the offseason back in June. He said, 
I think Devontae is the week one starter. You not trade up in the second round for that position without having him earmarked to be your main guy. Gordon has been a complete no-show during OTAs if they thought he was still a starter. I believe he would have made an appearance or two. He then followed that up, saying that he believes Williams will lead the Broncos in rushing attempts, even if Gordon wins the job out of training camp. And yet, we also have Broncos reporter Benjamin Albright saying that Gordon is clearly the RB1 for this team so far. Basically, we're looking at a situation where Gordon and Philip Lindsay, when both were healthy, healthy last year, they were splitting snaps almost right down the middle. This has always been a split backfield, but now for the first time, we've seen the Broncos really make a concerted effort to improve the talent level at this position. You know, Mike Boone is now in the fold. Lindsay's gone. Royce Freeman's still there. But like O'Halloran said, you don't trade up into the second round to get a running back that you don't plan on featuring. So it seems like at worst, even if Gordon is the one taking the first snap at the start of every game, I mean, Williams already seems to have a, you know, not stranglehold in the overall touch share or anything, but a one B committee role at worst with the potential to rise up sooner rather than later. I mean, the two situations just kind of reminds me of the most are when the Browns drafted Nick Chubb to back up Carlos Hyde, as we saw that didn't exactly, you know, take all that long for Chubb to just take over. And I believe they just traded Hyde to the Jaguars uh, halfway through that year and also the Jacksonville Jaguars last season where less so in terms of having you know the high round rookie running back to uh, take over from the starter but more so with Leonard Fournette like Melvin Gordon not exactly being in the best graces of this organization I mean don't forget Melvin Gordon had that December DUI last year and the, the charges got dismissed he didn't get found guilty or anything but you know I was reading through some of the Denver Post analysis throughout this offseason and they were basically saying that Gordon if he had been found guilty likely would have been cut because then they could have recouped some of those you know guaranteed bonuses that he had already got so as it stands Gordon, you know, gun to my head, I think Gordon makes the team, but there is a non zero percent chance, people, that Gordon does not make it out of training camp. If they decide they only want to roll with three backs, we know Williams is one of them. They signed Mike Boone this offseason, seemingly because they like what he can do. Preseason all-star Mike Boone, you know, he, why else would they sign him if they didn't plan on keeping him around? It could come down to Gordon versus Royce Freeman, and if they cut Gordon, they're going to save more dollars. So maybe they keep four. It's not outside the realm of imagination or anything like that. I would just say, like, the arrow is firmly trending down for Melvin Gordon, both based on what we saw in 2020, where, okay, he has some good counting numbers, but if you go, like, per game uh, status, and particularly uses as a receiver, it was not pretty uh, throughout a lot of the year. And I just think that, again, making that move to trade up for Williams, I think tells you all you need to know about how they view this backfield, even if we don't have coaches coming right out and saying that Williams is now the featured guy. Money talks like draft capital does all that is trending towards Williams and just historically people, if we are going to get behind a rookie, it should probably be a high round rookie running back. And in general, the draft, free agency, like, look, it's it's August 2nd right now, and we're still just, you know, freaking out over every training camp report we can get. We are all football fiends, and that's great. I love talking to all of you, but we also all always freak out at the smallest amount of offseason news and free agency, trades, the draft, anything, when really if a player is free agency or a player falls in the draft, that's telling you all you need to know that the team doesn't value that player likely as high as you do. But with all that said, rookie running backs are the one rookies where I think, you know, maybe are still even undervalued because as we know, you know, NFL stands for not for long and running back position. That's more true than ever. And just overall, we have seen higher, higher chances in the past of rookie running backs balling in general, you needed to be picked in the first three rounds in order to really pay off 
as a rookie running back over in any position, 80% of top performing, which I define as top 12 quarterbacks, top 12 tight ends, top 24 running backs, top 24 wide receivers, 80% of top performing rookies were drafted in the top three rounds since 2010. You know, for every James Robinson, Philip Lindsay, every exception to the rule, there's usually dozens of more, you know, justice Hills, Darwin Thompson's guys that just can't find the field, but seriously running back is where we see far more hits running back with 30 high performing qualifiers has nearly double as many wide receivers who comes in at just 16 and there have been actually more day two backs that being 14 uh, ball out as a rookie than day one that being just 10 the exceptions in the rule have almost exclusively been either guys that ended up with Kyle Shanahan, you know, Alfred Morris uh, comes to mind or people just in completely barren depth charts that we could see coming or eventually could see coming like James Robinson last year, similar to Philip Lindsay uh, in past years as well. So Javante, he looks like a great prospect. Again, checks all the boxes, bigger Aaron Jones, people like that is just uh, incredible to hear checks all the boxes from a prospect. The film checks out the depth chart is certainly not one where, you know, we're looking at uh, just Donald dominant incumbent starter coming back by any stretch of the imagination and just the investment level with him being a second round pick that they traded up for Javante Williams checks all the boxes of a high performing rookie running back. I just don't know if it's going to happen in September or December, but I'm willing to pay a decent price of admission to find out, you know, you look at all these examples from past years, Miles Sanders, I think even Jordan Howard, to some extent when he Miles Sanders took over from Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, like it, even Ezekiel Elliott took a couple of weeks to get going. Like we see rookie running backs time and time again, same thing with some of these rookie quarterbacks, even if we don't have them in week one, they usually figure it out sooner rather than later in soft situations like this. So that takes me to my rankings. I have Javante ones as my RB 21 taking them ahead. I'm taking a little bit of a risk here ahead of miles Sanders, Kareem hunt, Mike Davis, chase Evans, Basically, <laughs> excuse me. I think Williams just based on what his team loves about him and how they feel about him. I think that's better than miles Sanders, who is going through a coaching change and a backfield rotation. That's looking more and more like we're going to see Boston Scott, Kenneth Gamewell, more than just two guys involved. Kareem hunt, who is the established number two running back, not number one on a team that just gave Nick Chubb a hefty extension. Mike Davis seems by, you know, Seems by just based on his depth chart, he's going to be the starter. But looking at his investment from the team, I believe 2.5 million guaranteed at the most compared to what Javante gets with the second round uh, price tag. It's just not really close between the pair and Chase Edmonds, whose team brought in James Conner to compete with him. So with all that said, I haven't gotten much Javante myself in draft so far because this is the thick of the RB dead zone area. And no, I'm not going to take Javante over a top 15 wide receiver when it's between those two. So Javante is someone that I think we're all going to want all going to wish and want to have on our teams come even October. The question is, can you get away with, you know, selecting an RB two as his teams RB two in September? So I am down to drink the Kool-Aid to some extent, but you know, not someone I'm actively reaching on. I think, you know, he'll end up, even if like our PFF projections have him as the RB 27 mobile Gordon as the RB 23 RB 33. This is a situation where I think 
the projections don't really tell you the whole story because even if Williams finishes as the RB 27 next year, just the idea and the way of which he would take over this backfield and become the featured guy. I think we would see more of a split between like RB four, RB three, and then RB one, once he gets the job compared to, you know, a season long RB 27, someone like James white, who is never actually giving you any sort of volatility on a week to week basis. Melvin Gordon is my RB 39. I have him ahead of the true handcuffs like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, but behind the flexes with benefits tier like AJ Dillon, James Robinson, Kenyon Drake. Again, it's possible Melvin Gordon gets cut. He's not the most washed running back in the in the league by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he did have some okay moments last year. I just think, you know, even if he can get a couple games out of this guy, you're never going to feel good about starting him. And I just don't think the high, you know, the high end outcome is really worth the risk. This Broncos offense, whether Drew Locke or Teddy wins it, likely not going to be a unit, you know, that everyone is absolutely freaking out about trying to get exposure to other people on the field. And, you know, when you look at the offensive line, which comes in as PFF's 21st ranked unit ahead of 2021. Again, it's a winnable situation, but for someone that seems to be on the outs of the backfield, on the outs of the organization, and just trending downwards, having been in the league for five, six years already, Melvin Gordon, someone I've been happy to let others draft. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at Manscaped, who offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code PFF, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I want to thank you as always for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every single day of the week throughout the offseason. It's August, people. Football weather in the air. Maybe not so much down at the beach. I'm just getting sunburned. Uh, not really feeling the crisp fall breeze just yet, but you could certainly imagine we have preseason football on the way. I can't wait. We'll continue to keep you updated throughout the offseason, trying to get you that championship gold in all your fantasy drafts. So I'm Ian Hardison. Until next time, take care, everybody. 